Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast that is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs improve their business, connecting with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and supporting one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! We got a little story for you, Ags. Patrick Amante, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1986, has been a longtime friend of the show. I first met Patrick in 2001 when we celebrated his Aggie 100 win, and I've grown to appreciate his heart of service and his desire to speak into and support the Aggie entrepreneur community. His company is one of the fastest growing sign companies based out of Houston, Texas, and I know you're going to love learning from him. So pass it back and listen up to Patrick as he shares some really good bull. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us on Aggie Growth Hacks. You have been a longtime listener, longtime supporter of Aggie Growth Hacks, and we appreciate that so much. And uh, thank you for the opportunity for allowing us to learn from you today. Well, guys, I certainly appreciate it. I love being, uh, love listening to it, learned a lot, and um, appreciate you guys and appreciate both of you for your service. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, th- thank you. We, we definitely are happy to do it and happy to, to serve uh, everyone here. But we also are happy to be Aggies, and that, that is something that continuously joins us. Uh, and I know you come up to Aggieland quite a bit, but what do you miss about no longer being a student at A&M? I, had, I can't remember which dorm I picked, but it said you you were um, selected for Purrier Hall, which I didn't really know what that, I couldn't even pronounce it. And it said something like phone no air on the invoice. And I was like, okay, what's this about? Anyway, I get there. There's no air conditioning in this place. It's the dumpiest it was built in 1928, and I don't think it had ever been remodeled, but it was beautiful for the uh, camaraderie because you always had your doors open to let the breeze go through. And, you know, as a teenager, late teens, early 20s, you can you can put up with that stuff. August, September, not so fun. But but anyway, we were the, it was um, where the I think it's Life Sciences building is right now. Across from across the quad from the MSC, right in the middle of everything. And we had a long history. The dorm had a long history of being intramural champs. So I played sports. I didn't even know what they were. We were just we were in the middle of the thick of everything that was College Station and A&M. And now what I would say is I never want to live in a building without AC again. And (laughs) the best thing I ever did for my GPA was to move out of that dorm because it was it was like the closest thing to Animal House off the Faber College campus. (laughs) I love that. That is so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know, one of my favorite things that I get to do here on on Aggie Growth Hacks is learn about the entrepreneurial journeys of all of our interviewees, right? So why don't you tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and you know, how you started your business and and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah. So it's funny because I think I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but when you're as old as me, you kind of grew up in that age. My dad worked for Exxon for 35 years and I ended up doing an internship with General Electric in the lighting division the summer before I graduated. And I thought there is no way in God's green earth that I'm going to sell light bulbs for a living. And 15 years later, I was still at GE, but it was, it's, it's one of those things you learn. It doesn't really matter what the widget is. You can learn a lot, but it's what's funniest about that old corporate mentality is it became very safe and you're making good money, not necessarily great money, but you know, you had the, 
the um, 401k and I had stock options and all these things. But anyway, I just, I just really had the need to do something on my own. And, we, you know, after a couple different changes, I was like, yeah, I don't want to work for someone anymore. I want to try something on myself. And I just wanted to make something physical. I wasn't sure what that was going to be. And I, I learned about this group called Sign World and their, their business model, very much like a franchise, but no fees and no rules. It was a good thing for someone who had never run their own business, but that's, I just really wanted to make things and I wanted to be able to have cool, like big boy toys, you know, routers and lasers and things like that. So that's really what got me off the corporate path and into my, you know, into business for myself. Well, Patrick, as, as you're saying that, I had a flashback to Robert Martinez, um, who we interviewed last season and his, his quote was, don't let a good life get in the way of a great life and, 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 you know, to be able to, to realize, look, there is more and to be able to have that drive in you to grow. And, and I mean, although you're not selling light bulbs to this day, I mean, light bulbs are a pretty integral part of signs. I would assume. (laughs) They can, they certainly can be. Yep. And well, light bulbs are almost gone now because it's all led obviously, but yeah, I mean, that's that's an intriguing thing because I was on the back end of what was, you know, there's still a lot of need for certain light bulbs out there, but Lord knows it's a brave new world in the last 15 years since I've been at GE. So intriguing, isn't it? <laughs> that definitely is. It, it, it's amazing how God God creates us and plants little things uh, along the way that, that he can use for, for his glory. So Patrick, tell us a little bit about the company values uh, of your company. How, how did, what are they? How did you come up with them? And do you have any examples of how they've really impacted and shaped the operations of your business? So I will say you guys have, you know, heard me. I was late to the game and I probably I've liked listening to, you know, your podcast. And I have also went through the um, Goldman Sachs programs, 10,000 small business program. So I probably wasn't those guys I used, you know, Having been at GE for all those years, I was probably one that was like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure everybody, you know, believes in all this stuff. A couple of years ago, I was like, we really got to figure this thing out because it makes more and more sense when you're the owner, right? So the, I'll give you kind of, I have a list of words that I've turned into kind of a paragraph and it's Tasman strives to be a trusted partner, accountable to all, which is you know, customers, employees, vendors, and community. We like delivering service that exceeds expectations, providing memorable products and services. And we we try to be advisors to our customers and always providing new and creative solutions to our customers. And it's probably a little hard to follow in there, but it turns out I ended up using our name as an acronym for those. So it's it's trusted, accountable, service, memorable, advisor, and new. So it kind of helps me, you know. I love it. Tasman. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, along the way, what, what's funny about that is, um, you know, if we can, if we can kind of follow that paragraph and provide those things to our customers and employees, then really that provides us with a whole lot of res- repeat business and referrals because we're doing those things and we're trying to, you know, service beyond expectation and, mm-hmm. and memorable products and whatnot. So it really, if we operate as our values are 
the business kind of takes care of itself. Interesting. And, and how has that really affected? I mean, I mean, really, truly, have you seen it at how, how it really truly affected your business? So, I mean, this, this one's almost embarrassing, but I have done very, very little marketing, almost none, to be honest, short of a little bit of social media, a newsletter for a while, but you have repeat business and your existing customers grow. One of the one of the examples I like best is, you know, I mentioned commercial real estate earlier that we started working for a startup, a local startup here in Houston called Lee and Associates, and they kept growing and we grew with them. And then what's been really funny about it is every time one of their people leaves and starts their own business, we go with them too. And so we just continue and and I mean <laughs> We've got seven or eight very active real estate companies that we do work for now. And I keep saying to myself, you know, we're, we're busy. So I don't know that I want to pay for advertising that will overload us, if you will. Again, that's what's the embarrassing part about it. I need, I need to be able to scale better, but we've found that if we, if we really provide great service to our customers and have, and when we act as advisors, then we can we can usually you know get a lot of new business from that. Well, I think that that's so cool that you have got such a great reputation with your clients that even as people in those companies, realtors, they're growing and they're expanding, they realize that you are such a trusted value and a trusted great partner that they're bringing with you. What's some of the coolest companies or something that you've done over the last couple of years that's been really awesome as a service provider to be able to help? So there's a couple of couple of examples. One is this company or well, a, a um, organization down here in Houston called Combined Arms. Yeah. And they, they bring together a bunch of different services for our veterans. And, you know, we originally quoted them to do a couple of things. But when I found out more about what they do, I said, you know what, I want to give you this sign and you guys spend your money on more beneficial things. So that was really awesome. cool. But then the other one that's, that has been really fun and cool is I started getting involved um, with the McFerrin Center at A&M, the Center yeah. for Entrepreneurship. And as a result, you know, it was funny because I was trying to give back for, you know, for all the things that A&M's given me. And um, by my involvement, I've ended up getting several opportunities to do work at the school for the McFerrin Center, for a couple of the departments, and even... A couple of, you know, when you're introducing yourself in that group to the student, especially at the um, the entrepreneurial boot camp for veterans, yeah. you're, you're making those introductions. Mm -hmm. I had one of the other mentors come up and ask me, hey, can we work together on this? <laughs> so, yeah, it's very cool how that stuff works. And, you know, hey, if you give back, maybe there's opportunity there, too, but best to give back. Absolutely. And uh, to our listeners out there, the Entrepreneurs Bootcamp for Veterans is held twice a year. If you're, you know, an entrepreneur and want to help out with that, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to do that because I think all three of us are mentors uh, on on the Aggie Growth Acts right now. So that's pretty cool. So Patrick, let's let's switch gears a little bit. You know, some some of the the hardest things to do is really look back over time and really figure out, you know, if if there was any kind of a tipping point in our businesses of how, how we grew and, and how we accelerated that growth. Is there anything that as you look back, you know, in the past, you know, a couple of years, five years, 10 years, what is that tipping point? Has, has there been a tipping point in your company that has really accelerated your growth? So yes, is the answer to that. And I would, I was, and probably remain a way too fiscally conservative 
business owner, especially individual, but also business owner. And when I started, I did it from cash without borrowing any money, you know, use my own savings and all that. And so for the first couple of years, I was like, the the business has got to be the growth engine. So it's got to feed itself. And that's, that is a slow grind for a new, a new business. It can be for sure. And it was for me. And it wasn't until I, I kind of kicked myself in the butt and said, you need to add people because it was such a stop start scenario. If it was me and one other person for almost two years, and it was like every time you'd get an order, you had to stop going out and selling and make things and then go install them and no one was answering the phone. So when I added the next person, I was like, oh man, that, that really cleared some roadblocks and then add another one. And then, and then we started adding some pieces of equipment that allowed us to bring stuff in house and it increases your margins and probably even better than that. It puts you in control of when things get done. Doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to be faster, but at least you have the control to make those decisions. And it's really cool to be able to make all this stuff that you've seen being made by others. So yeah, it's, it was, it was getting off my butt and, you know, doing the expansion. I need to get, I need to remind myself that because we need to hire a few more people now so we can, uh, focus on some more growth stuff. So Patrick, who, who was that first hire or what role did they fill? The, the initial hire, which was part of what, the, you know, that sign world group I mentioned told you about, and they, they basically call, call it a sign maker. And that's someone that in the, in the industry that has experience with running a printer, doing, you know, table work, putting things together and installing. What becomes very interesting and what I've told many people that have gotten into this after me is the very first thing you should do is hire a third person because two people, there's just too many roles for a business to do almost. And if in a business like this anyway, you know, if you're not, if you're not just a service provider, maybe I don't, you know, I don't know, but for this business, when you're talking, you know, social media, accounting, legal, production, installation, design, all those things, let alone the quotes and responding to customers, it's just not a two two man job. And I was trying to do that for too long. So the first the first position was the sign maker, and then the next one is, you know, was basically an admin person that could do a lot of things, and then a designer, and then a couple, you know, then you just add more of the same. So, so did you make that decision on who to hire next based on what you personally wanted to get off your plate? Because yeah, I mean, as the owner, you're wearing everything, but re- realizing that you're not good at everything is a hard thing, unless it's accounting. A lot of people are just like, I don't like accounting and I'm going to admit that. <laughs> no shame in that. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, that is a great point, Greg, because Accounting is by no, my brother is an accountant, a CFO, and, and he and I are night and day, right? So I ask him questions, but I'm like, that's not something for me. So we outsource accounting. We definitely outsource payroll. Now we even for, we, we outsource some design work, you know, to some companies that have like 30 designers on staff and we give them the easy, you know, day to grind stuff. And then we do some of the other stuff that's more complicated in house. But you can find places to outsource. And to your point, you as a business owner, you got to figure out: Am I an operations guy? Am I a sales guy? Whatever. And then hire hire those strengths that where you're weak, basically. So I need to hire some more people. <laughs> so I've got a mentor that tells me that that you should always have a list of your next three hires. 
right? These are my next three that I need to hire to get things off of my plate and to help the company move forward. So anyways, just throwing that out there. I'd say that's good advice. And I probably don't keep it. The, the interesting thing about that one, though, for when, when you're as small as we are, is everybody's got to wear more than one hat, right? So part of part of what I am looking for is the right attitude and the right work ethic and whatever skill set you have then we'll work kind of around that because you're not, there's not going to be one little thing you can do in a small business. You got to be able to, you know, wear multiple hats. So find the good, try and find the good people. And then, you know, so it's funny you say that, Chris, because I, I you know, I, I post for a position, but I look for someone who can do that and, you know, up and downstream of that. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and sometimes you've got to have a hybrid role too. some, sometimes in there, you know, <laughs> where you take multiple hats off of you. One of the things that, that we do here, obviously, and, and if you listen to the Aggie growth hacks, uh, you know, any, any length of time, you hear us talk about the big hairy, audacious goals, you know, your BHAG. So, and this is typically your five to 10 year moonshot, you know, where, where do you want to be? So Patrick, where do you want to be in five to 10 years? What's your BHAG? So it's interesting. I'm not sure I would call mine audacious, but literally you've heard me talk about some of this and I am, I am probably, as I said, way too conservative. So I'm still too much in the day to day. So really what I'm looking for in the next five years, I'd say, hopefully I can bring that forward a little bit, but it's really to build a business that can thrive and sustain on its own. And that means, you know, it's got to be able to continue to exceed customer expectations, got to provide, you know, a professional and fun place for our employees to work that allows them to be creative and make a good living. And then hopefully we can also do some good for the community. But but that that first part about being able to thrive and sustain on its own, you really, I mean, I need to get the things off of my plate that will allow me to focus on the new opportunities that that are out there. And heck, maybe even do a little fishing or something, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not good when you're the first here and the last to leave and you own the business. Cause all I've done is bought myself a job now. <laughs> there you Absolutely. go. Well, Patrick, that's going to do it for the interview round. Before we roll into the lightning round, let's pause a second for a message from this episode sponsor. Okay. We're back. Well, like I said, you, you've been a long time listener, so you know the rules to the lightning round. I answer all these questions in one minute or less. So let's kick it off. What is your favorite hack? This can be a business hack, a personal hack. What can we learn from you? So I kind of I kind of have a couple, I would say, is one. Yeah, th this one is kind of personal and business, but I, I don't... I don't remember. I can't attribute it to anyone, but it's, um, you know, don't let the toothpaste cap issues get in the way. And that's, it's the same. It's that don't sweat the small stuff, right? You know, if someone leaves the toothpaste cap off, if you're married or have a girlfriend or whatever, you know, you don't want to about that. You can find other things, you know, so focus on the, the stuff that matters and try and just let, let go of those things. The other, the other thing in relating to me, more importantly, I heard this the other day from a, a business owner and he said, as an owner, I want to make myself irrelevant to the business, meaning you get out of the day to day and you can go focus on starting the new thing or, you know, the growth, the growth opportunities for the business. But yeah, make yourself irrelevant to the business. That also makes you a lot more of an opportunity for your exit strategy if you plan on selling. 
I absolutely love, love that, Patrick. So next question. What is the favorite bit of advice that you've ever been given and 1,986 points for how you actually implemented it? So probably the best advice I've ever gotten was my boss when I lived over in Australia. I was a national sales manager and he said, just because someone doesn't do it the way you would do it doesn't mean it's wrong. And that one kind of opened my eyes. And while I can't say I'm 100% on it, but every day I think, oh, nope, I'm not going to step in. It's, it's well done, but I would have done it, you know, slightly different. There's more than one way to skin a cat, right? So yeah, that was, that was the best business advice I got. And that was, you know, when I worked for someone else, but it applies to all of us. That's great advice, but it's so hard to follow sometimes, especially for the control Amen. freaks out there. <laughs> Indeed. Patrick, what's your superpower? Yeah, I've, I've heard you ask this before. For me, I think, I, I think I'm lucky because I'm somewhat inquisitive, but I always try and put, whether this is personal or business, I try and put myself in the other person's shoes and look at things from angles other than my own beliefs, so to speak. And it's fun because when, you know, it makes you just talking with someone or having a discussion about current events, if you can at least say, hey, let me get on that side of the table and look at it. What are you thinking about? And what that It's amazing how one, how good it feels. And two, it'll open you up to what that other person is saying. And at least if nothing else, understand where they're coming from. And I think we the, the world could use a little bit more of that. Just being able to understand where other people are coming from, whether it's politics or business, it certainly helps from a business standpoint, understanding what it is your customer not wants and needs and being able to put yourself in there. And, you know, a lot of times you'll say, oh, is this good enough? And you say, well, I wouldn't buy it if I were a customer. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. All right. So next question, uh, what gets you out of bed and excited about your business, Patrick? So <laughs> I, I didn't notice this early on, but now, you know, I live in Houston and so you'll, we'll be driving around Houston and you'll see some of the stuff, the work you've done around the city, or you'll have someone ask. And I even have employees that say, you know, now when I'm driving, I'm like, oh, look, there's a, oh, we should call them. That one doesn't look so good or, you know, so, <laughs> but it's really the best part is, and I think my favorite is when we do lobby signs for new businesses, especially new businesses. You go, you're, you're in their reception area, you put up their logo for the first time, and they go, oh, y'all, come here, look at this. Our logo's on the wall, and they get so excited. It's fun yes. to see that stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's really cool. That's oh, probably God. the best part of the business. Th that That is so cool. And and then when you start developing that habit of you and your team to be like, okay, well, we could do that better. We need to help them. We need, they need to be a client. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, speaking of reaching out and, and maybe having clients, um, Patrick, how can the Aggie Growth Hacks family get in touch with you? How can we support you? How, how can we potentially work with you? So, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. We've got a Tasman Facebook page, but yeah, you can feel free to give me a call. My cell number is 713-314-7337 or my email is first initial last name piamonte at tasmansigns.com. We'd love to hear from you. If I can help in any way, please give me a call. But I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, having me on. This has been a blast. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. It was really cool uh, listening to your journey, your story, 
and getting to know you. And we just really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of that with the Aggie entrepreneurs around the world. My pleasure. And we'll see you guys at McFerrin Center for the next event. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that pretty awesome or what? I know that I took a lot of really good takeaways from Patrick and and learned a whole bunch from him. What were your biggest takeaways there, Greg? I loved Patrick's whole story about, you know, starting the sign company out and, you know, it was him and then he had the next hire and the next hire and the next hire and how he has come to re- the realization that he, as the CEO, his job is to make himself irrelevant in the business. And that's not to to just dish the business, but that's to say, I'm going to put people around me. I'm going to build a system that allows this company to grow and thrive, even if I'm not doing every little thing. And I think that that's something that's really hard for a lot of entrepreneurs to be able to let go of control. Uh, especially, you know, if it's a part of the business that they truly, truly enjoy. But uh, I, I loved his his thought process of this has to happen for the business to achieve the goals that I want it. And now even when he's hiring, yes, he might be hiring for a position, but he really looks at the person, the individual to see what they can do and how they fit in together. Uh, What about you, Chris? What did you learn from Patrick? So my biggest takeaway was uh, where he said, don't let the toothpaste cap issues get in the way. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Um, because, uh, I mean, that's so true. I mean, there's, there's so many small things in any business that really at the end of the day aren't that big of a deal, right? But don't let it get in the way of your growth or, you know, moving the business forward. The other other thing, you know, and, and I loved this, and this is my bonus here, is uh, where he said, just because someone doesn't do it the way that you did, it doesn't mean that it's wrong, Right. And I love yeah. that, you know, and that's something as, as entrepreneurs that we all have to figure out that, that no one is going to do it the same exact way that we did it, you know? And, and in fact, one of my mentors uh, tells me that 80% done is a hundred percent better than you doing it. So, <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good way of seeing it too. Yeah. Because as an entrepreneur, you want to do things. You want to have that control. You want to make sure. This is your baby, right? Yeah. I mean, this is your business. And it has to be perfect. You know, in in my industry, you know, it's got to be pixel perfect. It's got to say the exact right things and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? And that comes back to that, the toothpaste, you know, cap there is that, does it really matter that much if, if it's done this way versus this way, as long as it got done, right? So those are my two main big takeaways, but I think they all kind of wrap into each other. Well, Ags, that's going to do it for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed the conversation with Patrick initially. If you're not connected with Patrick, um, make sure that you reach out to him. Taz been signed. Um, I see him predominantly on uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook. Uh, shoot, Ags, he gave you his, his cell phone number and his email. So if you're looking to get into the sign business, if you need a new sign, if you just want to connect with Patrick and talk about entrepreneur stuff, make sure that that you do that. While you're out there doing that, be sure to check out our Facebook group and our website at aggiegrowthhacks.com where you can go there and listen to any of our previous episodes and check out any of our other content. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig'em. Whoop!